Welcome to the 313 Men, Money, and Marriage podcast, where facts, logic, and reasoning are at the forefront of every conversation. In this episode, we're going to talk everything investing and finance. This is the everything investing and finance episode with our special guest, Desmond Douglas. So sit back, relax, and enjoy as we talk about investing and finance. Welcome back to the 313 Men, Money, and Marriage podcast. As I said earlier, I'm your host, Andrew Johnson, and this episode is all about investing in finance. Two quick quotes that popped up that I heard before were as follows. If we never save money, we will always be poor, no matter how much money we earn. And most people have very little money because they don't save. So saving is very, very important if you want to get to the next level. Another interesting uh, statistic that I came across, and this is, came from a bankrate.com, a study that they did, and it stated that 39% of Americans have no money in the stock market, and over 50% say that the stock market is rigged. And that, that survey was done with over 2,500 people. Now, two of the main reasons that was holding people back from investing in the stock market were resources and knowledge. The first resources was 56% of the reason. And second was lack of knowledge, which was 32% of the reason. So with that being, with us being a men, money and marriage podcast, and we're always trying to help the plight of men so that they can learn more about investing finances, relationships. We figured, I figured why not bring on, someone who is in the field to discuss some of these issues with the audience. So without further ado, I'm going to bring on my guests. Please, everyone, welcome Mr. Desmond Douglas. All right, all right. Thanks, Des. Hey, hey. Now, Des, I've known him for a few years now, but one of the ironic things about this is he actually grew up in a neighborhood very close to a cousin of mine. And so when we first met and we started talking, I realized that he lived in that area. So we hit it off ever since then. To top it off, our, our wives are also friends. So Desmond, can you explain to the audience who you are and what it is that you do? Absolutely. My name is Desmond A. Douglas, and I am a financial advisor. And so, uh, hey, I help people uh, establish, build, grow, enjoy, and pass along wealth, you know, so... Great. Now, are you? Uh, do, is there any certification or anything that you have? There is. So I am licensed. I'm a licensed financial advisor. So I am uh, licensed in several states, probably about nine or ten, uh, and growing. You know. Um, but as far as designations are concerned, so I did pass my series seven and sixty six, just so I could become a financial advisor. But on top of that, I have the Chartered Retirement Planning Counselor, the CRPC, and the AAMS as uh, Accredited Assets Management Specialist. Okay, because that sounds like a whole bunch of stuff there. <laughs> <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of initials, man. Yeah, yeah it sounds good, though. So we're, <laughs> so we're going to go ahead and uh, get into the issues here pretty relatively quickly. What, what did you think about that stat I read from that, from that study or that survey that came from Bankrate that 39% of Americans have no money in the stock market at all? I, I could definitely believe it. It should, it's not a surprise to me, although I would probably think there's more. I, I would think that there's probably a lot more, a, a large percentage of the remaining amount 
that that 61% or whatever it is, uh, that's going to be maybe minimal amount invested in the market. So yeah, no, it does. It's, it's a shame. It's sad. And you know, what does it do to knowledge and, and resources? The one thing about, well, the, the thing about those two specific things, it's funny that you mention it, is the fact that we are in an information era right yeah, now. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So it's, it's hard to say that you don't know any better now. So I don't know when those statistics were taken, but, you know, to, nowadays with the crypto and, the, you know, the Robin Hoods and the, talking about this and that and, and all of these stocks and the GameStop and all of these other um, things, the info is out there. So it's been a lot more intriguing now, I guess, to a lot more people because now we're starting to see more people just investing, you know, uh, in the African-American community specifically where, you know, I would say there's been a huge gap as far as investors uh, are concerned with counterparts around the same age. There's been a lot more interest in investing. So the information's out there. So hopefully that statistic is working as far as knowledge. And as far as resources, that's probably one of the first things I go over with clients. Uh, specifically, when I'm speaking to people in, in groups and I'm speaking in, you know, community forums or, or seminars to those who aren't necessarily seasoned investors, the one of the, the main things that I touch on is your actual budget. And sure. you'd be surprised how much money you have available when you start to look at how much you spend. That's absolutely true. And one of the things that you, you mentioned when you were talking about knowledge and how we have so much access to information now, but part of it could be too with that is that people just don't dedicate their time and, and, and resources to learning about money because you know, if you if you were just watching, say CNBC or say Bloomberg or one of those channels, it sound, if you're new to investing, it sounds very overwhelming. So some people might just be thrown off by that. What do you, what do you think of that? Yeah, I, I agree. It could be intimidating and like, where do you get started? But I would say the cool thing about investing is we're investing in, or you would be potentially investing in companies that, that you use every day. And so I think there's a lot more of an interest. And I think that's why companies like the Robin Hood was very popular, although it was taking fractions of, you know, what someone would normally or should invest, although people were playing around with it with a couple hundred bucks or maybe a few thousand dollars that they want to kind of play with. It is investing in the companies that you know and love, you know what I mean? The Apples sure. and the Microsofts and the Amazons and Googles. Absolutely. That, you know, so. Absolutely. With, with that being said, with the, the knowledge and people said the resources, you said you focus on the resources and you go do seminars and different things like that to give people the knowledge. What about, say, if I'm working on a job and my employer has, say, a 401k, mm -hmm. can you explain how, what, what that is and what the dynamics of a 401k is. Sure. So the whole premise behind in a 401k is a tax code. So, uh, and that's where the 401k, 403b, 457, all of that stuff comes from. It's IRS code. Uh, and so the, what it is, is, you know, the, the government, Uncle Sam realizes that social security for most people is not going to be enough when you get to retirement. Right. And hopefully you don't wait until you're 65, 67 to figure that part out. But you know, if you take my word for it, I could, I could, I could assure you that it's not going to be enough. And so what Uncle Sam is allowing you to do is saying, hey, OK, if you want to put away for your own retirement, then we'll give you a break. 
and we'll allow you to put it in a retirement fund, in a, in a retirement fund, you know, whatever that may be, an IRA or 401k. And so what, what it's doing is it's allowing uh, you to bypass taxes for the meantime, defer taxes. And so there's a difference between a Roth IRA and a Roth 401k and a regular 401k. Sure. You know, and that's, but it's all taxes. And, and what it allows is you to save and invest your money while the government kind of takes their hands off of it and allows you to get a fighting chance at having a store and building up a good retirement fund for the future. Right. So it's basically what you're saying is your growth is tax free. That's correct. Okay. So another thing with that, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, when you do have a 401k plan, is that it does can you use that what you've contributed as a sort of a write off on your taxes or no? You can. So it just depends on the type of account that you have. So the 401k, just the traditional 401k is a tax deferred account. Again, you get the benefit of either not being taxed on that income today and being taxed on it later or taking the tax hit today so that later on you can have the tax benefit. But basically with the 401k, let's just say you make, you know, $50,000 in a year and you contribute $5,000 to your 401k, Mm -hmm. then that year, Uncle Sam's saying, okay, since you put $5,000 in a retirement account, we're only going to tax you on $45,000 this year. Got it. Got it. That makes perfect sense. Now, with the 401k, what is the term employer match? Because one of the things is when I often talk to people and I say, if you, are you investing in your 401k? If they say no, I say, well, you're missing out on free money. Can you explain to us what the match is all about? That is so huge. That's one of the hugest benefits of a 401k because most companies offer some sort of match. And what that match is, is exactly what you said. It's, it's free money. It's money that you leave on the table if you're not investing. And so I say we can't afford not to do that. So let's just say, taking that same example, you know, if you make $50,000 uh, in a year and, you know, you're contributing 5% of your, you know, your income, sure. uh, then that means that that's 2500 then your employer is going to also match you 5%. Right. You're talking about an additional $2,500 each year that you're leaving on the table. So that's essentially free money then. It's free money, yeah. It's well. I mean, I guess some people would consider it a benefit, but it's yes. a benefit that most, a lot of people don't take advantage of. Absolutely. So you know, you could be working for it. So maybe it's not quote unquote free because you're working for it. But it makes it even worse when you're working for something and not receiving <laughs> and the not benefit. Re- not receiving the benefit. Absolutely. Yeah. That's really uh, very interesting. So that match that you're talking about, that dollar match, and when you combine it with what you're saving. Mm-hmm. Over the course of time, basically years, your 401k builds up and your dollars start to work for you. Now, in the African-American community, a lot of people are used to working for their money. And so they don't really quite get the concept in certain at sometimes about having your money work for you. Right. So can you elaborate on that a little bit? Sure. It's it's about ownership. At the very end of the day, it's about ownership. And so, sure, it's, it's, you know, this is not something that I learned, you know, at the dinner table growing up. Absolutely. You know, it's not something that I learned in school and I didn't learn it from church or anywhere like that. And and so, you know, thankfully, nowadays, there's enough information that it should pique at least, you know, one's interest. And so, you know, as far as uh, participating in this you, 
it really boils down to what the income is going to be. I think that if people understood what the outcome would be, then they would be more encouraged to do it. And then also we, we have to d- overcome the, the, you know, the facts of what the stock market is, you yes. know, because I, I have a lot of conversations and people like, man, I'm not risking my money. That means that's like going to Vegas. I'm like, yeah, nah, your chances <laughs> in Vegas are slim to none. Exactly. But with investing, it's definitely going to be way more in your favor. You will, I can assure you, you're going to see good returns in the market versus the casino. Absolutely. Now, real quick, I just, since you brought up the uh, investing and you were talking about the stock market, I just want to talk about other asset classes that people can invest in. Mm-hmm. Uh, one being gold is another, obviously, uh, an asset Commodities, a commodity yeah. investment. Mm-hmm. And others, real estate. Now, oftentimes, I hear people say, I'm going to invest in real estate. I'm going to invest in real estate. That's where I'm going to put my extra money. I'm mm-hmm. going to do something. I'm going to be a, 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 a landlord. I'm going to own property. I'm going to, they talk like that. Why is that? I guess I won't use the word disadvantage, but why is the, the, the stock market necessarily, would you say is better? Well, I say first and foremost, that there are three major ways of investing, right? So you can be, uh, you could be a stock buyer. You know, you could invest in the stock market. You can own a business mm-hmm. or you can purchase real estate, flip it, sell it, rent it out, you know, have tenants, things like that. So those are three major ways of wealth building. Now, as far as the three different types. So with the business, it's going to take a certain amount of skill, you yes. know, and capital to, to get something like that started. When it comes to real estate, the barrier of entry is higher. So you can't just start like you would with your job with a 401k and just put in a couple hundred dollars a paycheck. You're going to need some significant capital to get to start purchasing real estate uh, and even to be prepared because it's an illiquid investment. And so when you invest in it, it's not like you can say, oh, man, I just want to pull out and, and just stop now. Stop the bleed. You know, you have to take that ride. And so um, with with real estate, although it's lucrative, Personally, I feel that, you know, it's not as it could be much better when you have a lot more capital to start with because you're going to need it for renovations. Uh, you're going to need it when, you know, you may not have occupants, you know, in, in your um, facilities, so on and so forth. And so the stock, the reason why, yeah, I'm a little biased, but at the same time, just trying to be, you know, unbiased right now, I still feel that the stock market is going to be more of an advantage uh, only because it does not take a a large amount of capital to get started. And you can also do it systematically the same way that you would in your 401k. And that is that absolutely established way of building wealth. Okay. So what you just said about doing it systematically, I believe that's called dollar cost averaging. Can you explain what that is and how that basically works? Sure. Absolutely. So the market, as we all know, or as you, you may know, the market doesn't just go up like a ramp. You know, if it did, that'd be great. Everyone be doing it. It would be, you know, it would be very simple to understand. Nevertheless, the market moves. It goes up and it goes down. It's, it's not going to stay up or down. It's just going It's going to flow within a certain wave, depending on risk tolerance, and we can talk about that later. Nevertheless, it's going to go up. Seven to eight times out of ten each year, the market is going to finish out on top. And so, again, that's going back to those odds versus the casino. All right. right? Your odds of leaving that casino is probably 10, 20, 30 percent leaving a winner. But the stock market, you're going you're gonna to be successful um, seven to eight times per year 
Okay. Okay. So you're going to be fine over the long haul. All right. Putting that to the side, you know, um, as far as, uh, I'm sorry. But I was just uh, basically going over the, uh, the advantages, I guess, mm-hmm. of the uh, dollar cost averaging. So with the dollar cost, cost averaging, so with the market going up and down, you, what you're doing is that, in essence, taking advantage of the market as it goes up and goes down. So if you have a stock that costs $100 per share and you buy, you know, five shares at, at $20 a share, when the price of the stock goes down to, let's just say, drop to $50 a share, you're able to buy that many more shares. Instead Absolutely. of being five shares, you can buy 10 shares. Gotcha. So as the, the market is going down, you're and you're buying more. That's actually to your advantage because it's at least in, while you're in the growth and accumulation stages, it's to your advantage when that happens because you're able to almost like what you're buying something on sale. That's exactly what it is. I, I like to tell people it's like Black Friday. What do we do the day after Thanksgiving? We run to the stores and you see an Apple iPhone that that uh, you know retails for a thousand bucks a phone. What would you do if you saw it for six hundred? Sure, you buy one or two if you can because you know the value in it. You know? that that's absolutely true with that. And, that. and I guess trying to equate and explain to people that investing is similar to that. I, I, I believe when you were saying this seven to eight times, I think I overheard something to the effect that it was, they say um, it, the, the stock market goes up um, for every two or three times. It, uh, it's a bad year. It's seven or eight times. It's a good year. Oh, yeah. So, so, I, so. I, I put it like this. Three up, one down. How often right, right, should right. you expect a downturn in the market? I ask this to many people who aren't clients, mm-hmm. and it throws them off. Like, how often should you expect a downturn? Yeah, how often, you know, how often should you expect it to go down? And every three years the market's up, expect it to go down. So just like I said, it's not a perfect ramp going up. It's going to cut back a little bit, mm-hmm. but then it's going to be followed by another three years up. You know what I mean? So 75% of the time, it's going to finish on top each year. And even though that 25%, that one year may fall, it's still going to be, it's going to be a lot more ups than downs. Let's just put it like that. Absolutely. So you're going to, you're going to always basically be in a situation where you're, you're making money for the most part. Absolutely. And this is, this would not be tried and true and, and it wouldn't be something that's done to this day if it wasn't. Exactly. Next question I have for you is I just want to talk about uh, historical market performance. So if we were to say the, the S&P 500 is what the top 500 companies in the United States, historically it's done what about 10% since they've had the index or somewhere around there. Could you explain that a little bit? Yeah, about eight, eight to 10%, eight yeah. to 10%. So yeah, uh, with the rule 72, mm-hmm. the, the rule 72, uh, well, can you explain to the audience what that is? Yeah, sure. So that's just a calculation on how long it takes for your money to double. Right. So if it's based on that 10%, it would mean every seven years, your money would double. Right. So if your money is doubling every seven years, and let's just say you work in the same career for 28 years, that basically means that your money is going to double four times. That's right. Okay. So that's a big jump on what you would have versus what you've put in mm-hmm. as to what you would get back in return through that investment. Definitely. I would even say, hey, what about the, the young person that has maybe got a settlement or had some, you know, inherited some money or, you know, had a nice tax return or something like that? Or let's just say you had, let's just say you were able to bless your child. 
with $10,000, you know, sure. they were just born and you want to just do something for them and you won't do anything. You just drop 10000 and leave it and you don't add anything to it over the course of, you know, 40, 50 50 years or whatever, when that child turns, you know, that age, you figure by that time it would have flipped, uh, you know, know. multiple times. <laughs> yeah, multiple times. You, you're definitely talking of, of a couple hundred thousand at least. Now, with the, the instant gratification world that we live in. Yeah. <laughs> how do you explain to people telling them that it takes time for your money to start to work for you? Um, your expression, a snowball effect. Well, most people want their money kind of right away or mm-hmm. want it. Like if I invest $10,000 next year, I want it to be worth, say, fifteen twenty. So I can see. <laughs> yeah. But it doesn't necessarily work that way. Can you explain to us how that not really works? Quite. Yeah, no, not quite. So wealth is built over time. It's not built overnight. And that's the problem. A lot of people want the quick lick. That's why they're interested in the the latest uh, crypto or Bitcoin or, you know, whatever the case may be. They want to get a quick flip or the real estate uh, investment and things like that. So, you know, it that compound interest works in your favor. It's your friend, but it does take time. When you're starting to add and you're contributing to that 401k, it may seem like drops in the bucket. But when you start to get it to where it's, you know, receiving you finally get it to maybe a hundred thousand dollars, and you start to see, man, ten percent on a hundred thousand. I'm making ten thousand dollars this year. Yes, you know, then it really starts to make sense. But I wouldn't be discouraged when you have a thousand in there. Sure. You know, that ten percent is only one hundred dollars profit. And some people I, I have like that, and they're like, man, this thing only made a hundred dollars. I'm like, well, that's one way to look at it, or you can look at it as I'm averaging ten percent returns. That's nothing to frown at because as you continue, you'll be lucky. If you average 10% uh, throughout your investing career, you will be in very good shape depending on the amount of money you put in. Absolutely. Now, you brought up two interesting points on that. One, you were talking about how the time and then you were just saying how a small amount depending on how much you have invested versus a large amount. I always tell people when it comes to investing, if you say I only made a hundred or two hundred dollars on my investment, I would say to them, "That's one hundred and two hundred dollars you don't have to work for, because <laughs> you you, you yeah, just right. got, you just got that money." That's right. And as far as time is concerned, I always tell people they say, "If I tell someone, hey, if we were going to say you were getting ten percent on your money and your money's going to double in seven years, and people say, well, I don't want to wait for seven years and this, that, and the other,' I always tell them the time is going to pass anyway." So would you rather have it pass with $10,000 or would you rather have it pass with $20,000? You got That's a very good point. <laughs> exactly. So that that's the way I would look at it. Just basically saying if the time is passing, you might as well pass with more money than less. Exactly. Now I'm going to ask you another quick question here. Uh, what is a mutual fund? So if I'm new to investing and I want to find out what that is, what is the term mutual fund? What is that? Yeah, sure. The, a mutual fund is just a bet. So it could be very expensive to buy a share of, uh, Amazon 3000 or Google, you know, 2500 or something like that per share or Tesla 1700, however much it is Tesla's right now. It could be very expensive to buy one of each of those. And so a, ba- a mutual fund is a basket of stocks and bonds. Uh, it allows you to have diversification. Uh, you know, if you invested all your money in one company, then you have to take the rides and fall with that one company. It's, your money is concentrated in one area. And I'm sure we've all heard the term, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket. And so uh, a mutual fund, it, it allows you to invest in 
It could be several hundred companies in one mutual fund, even bonds. uh, And that allows you to kind of spread the love a little bit. You know, you pool together with different investors and you're buying a basket of stocks and bonds. So basically what you're saying is that it it cuts down on the risk versus like, say, if I owned one stock versus if I own three or four hundred of them, three or four hundred of them generally aren't going to go bankrupt. But that one could Exactly. So if I gave you one crayon, it'd be easy to snap it. But if I yeah. gave you 10 crayons, it'd be hard to break that. Got it. Got so it. it's power in numbers. That's right. Absolutely. Let me ask you this question here. If, if Let's just say I'm a new client. I, I walk into your office and I say, I want to start investing. What, 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 would, what would you say in that situation or what would you do? Sure. So first things first, I don't know how many people would subscribe to the Dave Ramsey's of the world and things like that. Uh, I would say that one thing that I, that I always hear him saying is just making sure you have an emergency fund. So sure. that's, that's important. The only reason why is because if you start investing in an IRA or 401k, you know, if you are looking to, if, if life happens and you need to get your hand on some cash really fast, that's not the way to, that's not the place you want to go for it because you're talking about paying not only taxes, but penalties. And so I would highly discourage that. So to avoid that, First things first, first line of defense is going to be having an emergency fund, whatever that, you know, is is comfortable for you. I would recommend three to six months of expenses. But if you really wanted to get started investing, I would say at least have a thousand bucks, two thousand bucks, just in case, you know, something happens, the boiler busts or something. I don't know. Sure. Uh, but after that, life. Then I, yeah, life happens. Right. But then after that, then it's all about uh, finding out what your risk tolerance is. And so everyone has a different risk tolerance. Some people are a lot more conservative than others. Some people are more aggressive, you know, and for different reasons. And it's also based on your age. And so based on those things, then I would come put together a, a plan to see what would be suitable for you. And everyone has a suitability. Uh, it's important that you know what that is. All right, that's great. So basically what you're saying is that each each client coming in is going to have a different, uh, basically their plan is going to be different based upon risk tolerance, age, uh, sure, all of those different things kind of wrapped up into one. And that, that's really, really good. The one other quick thing I want to talk about before we go is... Uh, something that the SEC put out, and you, you mentioned you mentioned uh, an emergency fund, uh, conf- uh, your comfort zone on risk, which is what they talk about, uh, and also investing. You talked about dollar cost averaging, and you also talked about the four hundred one k. One other thing they mentioned is life cycle funds. Can you uh, just tell the audience what a life cycle fund is? Because they're relatively, I guess, new to the investing world. When I say new, when investing terms, when we say new, I guess what is about 10 years or so? Yeah. Okay. So can you tell us what a lifestyle fund is? Yeah, sure. A life cycle fund, also known as a target date fund. You know, these are investments. It's a very simple cookie cutter way of investing. It's a, they call it fund of funds. It's one mutual fund that holds maybe five, six, seven different mutual funds inside of it. And so what that does is it's based on a particular date, based on the date or the year that you are supposed to retire. And so if I'm going to retire in uh, 2050 or, you know, uh, or 2040 or whatever, then that's going to be a lot more aggressive today. And as we get closer to 2040 or 2050, then it's going to start to slow down. So if on a scale of 1 to 10, my, I'm more aggressive being like an 8 today, 
as we get closer and closer to 2040 or your retirement date, it's going to go down to seven, down to six, down to five. It's going to be less. It's going to be more conservative. Right. Because the closer you get to retirement, I mean, you don't you don't need as much volatility in your in your portfolio. You rather, you know, you need to start calming down, settling down so that you it it could be a lot more comfortable ride. So it's basically cutting down the risks for you, meaning like you don't have to really do anything. It's in auto. It's on autopilot. It's, it. You know, because the reality is when you have, so here's the thing. This is why a financial advisor comes into place, even versus the 401k. So the 401k, the great thing about it is it's going to be, uh, you know, done by your employer. It could easily just come out of your check. You don't have to worry about it and think about it. And then they they match you. That's free money. I don't right. care how good the financial advisor is. They ain't giving out free money. Right. right. So, but. When you're working with a financial advisor, which is sometimes why people, when they roll, they roll it over, and that's an option to go to an advisor to work with, is because uh, balance. So a portfolio needs to be balanced uh, each year, I would say. You need to review it because let's just say your risk tolerance today was, you know, what we call like an 80-20 mix. Sure. That means 80% stock, 20% bonds, right? And that's the suitable investment for you today. Well, based on market performance, it's going to change. It doesn't just stay at 80-20. Um, if the market's doing great, then your portfolio after a couple of years could be a 90-10, you know, which, which is equals to being more aggressive than you would normally want to be. And so when it does hit that 90-10, you know, um, mix, then what we would do is just rebalance it to get you back to an 80-20 mix. So that way, they, there's this term that says if, if you don't take your gains, the market will. Okay. And so if you, you know, if you've invested and you have a 50-50 portfolio, 50% stock, 50% bonds, and then the market's doing bad and you end up with a, a uh, you know, a 30-70 portfolio, well, we need to take some of the gains that we made off of those bonds and put it on the stock side so that we can get you back to a 50-50. Got it. Got it. Well, Des, you put out a whole bunch of information in this podcast and we're, we're about to wrap up, but... I just want to say thank you. I know you've had a very long day. We both have, actually. Yeah, I missed it. I had a brain fart earlier today. I don't know. I missed me. That, that, that's, that's fine. It's, it's just, right. we, just we, we both had very long days today, and we've been driving and traveling and doing different things and, and working long hours. So I just want to let the audience know we, we're just going to continue to give you this content. And if you like Des, just leave a, a, a message in the messaging app thing that we have on the uh, where well, you can listen to the podcast on. You can click on that message bar. You can make leave a recording. And if you like Des, he will come back on the show. He's going to be a, a, a frequent guest, especially when we're talking about these issues. And he's going to come back, too, when we're talking about relationships and different things to that effect. So if you like him, just leave me a message on the message bar so I can pass that message on to him. And we will continue. The podcast has been doing very well. I'm, I'm looked at the numbers. I'm, I'm very uh, intrigued and surprised that we're doing this well with the limited amount of marketing that we're doing. So I just ask the audience to keep listening and spread the word and we will continue to drop an episode every single week. I'm in it for the long haul. And if you were want, like the content, just keep on listening. And like I said, spread the word. And with that being said, until we meet again, see ya. Peace.